You're listening to the podcast of Christ Walk Church in Fernandina Beach, Florida, where we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. We hope that these messages encourage and challenge you to live for something more. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can find us online at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening. Now here's today's message. Let's try that again. What's up, Christ Walk? How's everybody doing today? And I am so, so glad that you all are here today. You are in for a treat this morning. We have a guest speaker today that I have known all the way back since I was in seventh grade. And back then I looked up to him because he taught me how to chase girls. Now I look up to him because he models how to chase Jesus. And um, Tommy Hart is with us today. He is the pastor of United Church in Apex, North Carolina. He's going to come and bring the word this morning. I know you're going to be blessed. You're going to want to take notes. It's going to be good. So give a nice, warm Christ walk welcome to my friend, Pastor Tommy Hart. I love you, man. Well, good morning, Christ walk. Good morning. Hey, I'm feeling extra special today. Um, I have never felt more just welcomed and loved and just appreciated. And I see a couple people already looking at my Air Blakes that I put on specifically for you guys on my shoes. Um, yeah. So um, I had like four people go, nice shoes. I went, nah, these are Air Blakes. Um, so uh, he, he sent us like packing list, bring your, bring your Air Blakes. Um, but man, I, I just want to let you guys know that um, not only do you guys have an incredible pastor and Pastor Blake, his wife and kids, I, I mean, it doesn't get any better than Sarah and Luke and Avery, but they model what they teach in a way that for me has just been awe-inspiring the last weekend, um, whether it's out eating, and man, we've ate, you guys live in heaven 2.0, you guys get that, right? Like, I thought Raleigh was great, wow, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I've sat on the beach for a moment um, in a truck on the beach and um, snapped a picture and sent it to my wife, and she sent me a picture of some emojis I can't explain to you guys so, out of frustration. Um, and, uh, and I just said, favor isn't fair, honey, I'm sorry. Um, and, uh, but, but, man, like, we had some great food this weekend, but everywhere we went, one thing I love about your pastor and his family is they pastor a city. They don't just pastor Christ Walk Church. Um, whether it was the waitress that came and, and immediately recognized them and um, hopefully she'll be at the 11 o'clock service because you invited her, um, and so I won't talk about her then. Um, she immediately said, I, don't, I won't get up at 9.15. There's no way, so I know she's not here right now. Um, and, uh, and whether it was we went into, uh, we got some incredible ice cream from Island Time. That, that's a hit for my, my body. Um, and then, um, uh, man, we, we went in looking at, I had to buy T-shirts for my, my wife and daughter. It's like you have to bring something back from heaven, right? Like, and so I, I took it, took it back. <laughs> And all of a sudden, they're like sharing stories with a couple that's here on vacation that may be sitting in this room right now. I don't have a clue, but they became friends on Facebook. Um, it, I was sitting there going, oh my gosh, you're pastoring a city. And that is exactly what Christ has called us to do, is to love people inside these four walls, but even especially outside these four walls. And you guys have a pastor's family that does that. And I'm going to tell you a secret. It's kind of rare. A lot of pastors that I know and, and have grown up around and been around, um, they, they enjoy being inside the four walls and teaching God's word. Um, but they don't necessarily pastor people outside the four walls. And I'm honored to be your friend. But man, I was honored to be inspired this weekend by you. And I only hope that I can serve Christ's walk the way you've served me this week. That's my heart. It's my heart. So thank you. If you don't know it, will you guys give it up for an incredible pastor and pastor family that you guys have? So, so when I told my wife what I was going to preach, she said, do not drink coffee before the message. So I had two cups of coffee before the message. Because when she's not around, you can, she's not like God, I can disobey a little bit, right? Like, and so she might be watching online, I'm sorry, honey, but the two cups were amazing. And uh, so I am always kind of high energy. Um, and if you're not high energy, I totally understand. Um, you'll get there with me today whether I drag you there or not, because we're going to talk about a specific word that means high energy, uh, but it means something that is actually a choice for you and I. We're going to talk about the word enthusiasm and how it's actually a very strong biblical word. And there are words throughout God's 
scripture, his teachings, the things he says, the things he's revealed, that literally sometimes we just skim over because we think we know the meaning of it or we think that it doesn't necessarily, like we get a little picky and choosy about what we want to apply to our lives, right? And so I, I want to talk about this idea of en enthusiasm, enthusiasm. Um, so so um, I have ADHH. H H H H H H D. So you're gonna have to stay with me because I'm about to pick up a little bit because I have a big red clock. Tell me how much long time I have to preach. Ready? All right. So there's a scripture by Solomon, and if you don't know who Solomon is, Solomon is like the wisest human that's ever lived. Like he is so incredibly wise. If you've never read the story of Solomon of why. He has such wisdom, you really should. And this is why I love scripture, because it talks about basically two ladies came and said and declared that the baby, this certain baby, one of the mothers, one was a mother, the other one they didn't know if she was a mother or not. But, but basically they were both laying claim to this baby. And, and because they were laying claim to it, um, they were trying to figure out whose baby it really was and who had ownership or, or you know, parental rights of this child. And, and they come and brought it to King Solomon at the time. And Solomon looked at him and just said, we're going to split the baby in half. And how the, the ladies reacted really revealed who the mother was. And, uh, and because of this wisdom, he had this unique way. And I mean, that's a great story. You should go check it out in Scripture. If, you do, if you're looking for neat stories, go check it out. But he says this thing because he's so full of wisdom that I absolutely love. It's a verse I don't know that I've ever really heard before. And it's actually in Ecclesiastics 8.15. I want to read this verse, verse with you. It just says, so I, I recommend having fun. When's the last time you heard that in church? When, when's the last time you heard somebody come and say, man, I recommend you have some fun. But he doesn't even say just that. He goes on and says, because there is nothing better. Now, I, I can think of a lot of great things. But he says there's nothing better than having fun. But he goes on to say, but, but there's nothing better than to eat, to drink, and to enjoy life. I, I got to do this this weekend. Uh, we went to this place over in uh, Amelia Island called the Boathouse. It was the best short ribs I ever had in my life. I, I don't even know that I had short ribs. If I've had short ribs, we didn't call them short ribs. We called them beef. Um, and so uh, it had mashed potatoes, and it was so good. Man, we're just eating. We're drinking some water. We're just hanging out. And the, they got live music. See, you guys get to do this all the time. Not me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm in heaven this weekend, and we're having fun. Like, and I'm enjoying it. And my wife's like, the kids are going crazy. And I'm like, oh, food's here terrible, honey. You don't want nothing to do with it. It's bad. Put the phone down. What's up? This is awesome. Like, we, we went to this Cuban place for lunch yesterday. Empanada. It was so good. They brought this, like, it's bougie coffee, y'all. I'm not going to lie to you. With little cups, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I'm a big boy to hold a little cup, right? Like, so I'm like, whoo, whoo, this is fun. Eat, drink, have fun. And in that moment, I realized I'm living scripture out. I'm having the time of my life. Nobody in my family can get mad at me. Why? Because I'm just following God's word. There's nothing better than that right there. There's nothing. Don't get mad. I told my wife last night we were FaceTiming. Her dog's a little sick. She's like, dog's sick, man. It's just, just terrible. And I said, oh, man, I'm not going to hate. But you've got to congratulate. Let me tell you what we did today. I, this place is so awesome. After Blake, <laughs> I, I can't believe this is confession time. I, this place is so great. After Blake dropped me off back at the hotel, it's right next to Danucci's. <laughs> who, who knew they had Dole Whips outside of Disney? This place was awesome. I snuck over there. I'm like, Dole Whip, this is awesome. Go home. My wife's FaceTiming. I'm like hiding the ice cream to the side. Like, hey, what are you doing? You don't want to know. You just don't want to know. I'm in heaven. Solomon says, like, you should eat, drink, man, be happy, like, have fun. But look what he says next. He says, that way they will experience some happiness. Because happiness isn't a choice. It's just a feeling that kind of comes and goes. It's fleeting. But a lot of times we search for and we seek for happiness in our life. Happiness and joy are completely different things. And he just says, hey, do these things so that way sometimes you'll have some happiness. And then a lot of followers of Jesus get really nervous at this part. He says, because along the way, there's going to be some hard work that God gives them under the sun. 
many times we think of hard work as in like construction or uh, our, our, our local department that fixes our roads and people who are holding the stop and slow signs that always seem to have them backwards when you get up to them. And, and, and we, we think that's hard work, but I, got, I would just kind of submit to you that maybe the hard work is actually making some legitimate choices in our life and, and following those choices and choosing to live those choices out, that maybe that's some of the hard work because I, I can't begin to tell you how much all of us know, but how very little most of us put into action. We know a lot. We don't do so, so much. Scripture's telling us, Solomon's telling us, hey, man, you should have some fun. Hey, make it fun. Add some joy to the journey. My hope and prayer is, is by the end of today's message, we'll add some fun to your journey, that you have a real moment with Jesus. You see, in the Old and New Testament, there's a, there's a power in enthusiasm and living a life with enthusiasm. Let me show you a few of those. Proverbs 2.11 kind of starts us off because we realize that we have to make the choice to have enthusiasm. So Proverbs 2.11 puts it this way, that wise choices, so fun is a choice, joy and enthusiasm are a choice, they're not happiness, it's not a coming and going feeling, but we'll watch over you. So it'll watch, like the, the, those choices you make will watch over you. But understanding, knowing it, choosing it, will keep you safe. That's why I say there's a power in the choices that we make. There's a power in choosing to live with joy and enthusiasm. I, I, I say it's a choice. I want to remind you of a few things. And this is going to be hard for some of us in this room. It's really hard for me sometimes to realize that I'm actually living the life, not of what's been created for me by God, but really I'm living the life of the sum of all the choices I've made. Like, there's no, like, written plan out in front of me that I just have to walk, get up, drink my coffee, be excited, walk out to, and it all just kind of falls into place. Like, what falls into place in front of me, the life that I'm choosing right now is going to determine the life that I live in the future. That's why your choices today matter. That's part of the reason why I want you to see that enthusiasm and joy and adding it to your life will add something to your life along the journey, along the way that you go. You see, the choices you make today, I want you to hear the love and grace in this. The choices you start making today will actually eventually in time supersede the decisions you made yesterday. And it will help you become the person that God wants you to be tomorrow and the day after and the day after and the day after. Your choices matter. And unfortunately, every day we're actually hit with thousands and thousands of choices. My, my choice is I want to help you see the choose, joy, enthusiasm, and being obedient. There's a scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 28, which is in the Old Testament. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, it actually theologically is a framework for things you hear almost every Sunday when you're inside a church. It's being talked about, maybe not the framework of Deuteronomy 28, like in the sense of like they're saying, hey, quote Deuteronomy 28 to you guys back and forth. But, but, what he's, but the framework theologically is this, this idea and concept that God reveals to us about the, uh, when we're obedient, he blesses us. Like there's a blessing in our lives. The way we live, there's a blessing when we're obedient to follow his teachings, his principles, and his way. I love how uh, Pastor Blake says it. He says, pay your tithes and live right. Yeah, some of y'all understand that, right? Like, pay your tithes and live right. This obedience, it's, it's following the principles, the scripture principles, and, and apply them to your life and see the blessing. But it also talks about what happens in disobedience, and it uses a word that a lot of times we don't like to say in culture today. And it talks about how, like, when we do that, there's actually cursings. And it's, it doesn't mean some kind of, like, Harry Potter witchcraft type thing. The cursing is you're not living the life that you were actually created for. And what I love about Christ Walk, the way you say it is, what? We are not living the way of something more. When you don't follow his teachings and you don't follow his principles, you're not living for something more. You're actually choosing to live something less. And Deuteronomy kind of shows those frameworks of disobedience. And I love it because in the middle of this verse in Deuteronomy, in this chapter, there's this key about like how we fight against the enemy. And it actually includes the word uh, enthusiasm. As a matter of fact, 
he kind of just says it this way in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 46 and 47. He says, hey, you're, you're, he starts off by talking about you're the head, not the tail. Have you ever heard that in church? You're, you're the head, you're not the tail. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to be good. I don't want to be bad. I want to be obedient. I don't want to be disobedient. And then all of a sudden, he says, if you don't follow obedience, if you're not making the right choices, he says this, these whores will serve as a sign and warning among you and your descendants forever if you do not serve the Lord your God with what? Joy and enthusiasm for the abundant benefits you have received. You see that right there is power of the choice to be enthusiastic, to choose joy. And he goes on to say, you will actually serve your enemies. A lot of times what I, I think we kind of choose as enemies, we choose people, men in church, we really like to talk about the devil as an enemy. But what about the enemy of living the life that we know we're not supposed to be living right now? What about that unfulfilled, hopeless, fearful life? Isn't, I mean, I would just say that's an enemy for me. I don't want to live that way. I want to live for something more. And Deuteronomy chapter 28 shows us this framework where you and I, by serving God in joy and in enthusiasm, holds back. It actually keeps me from serving the enemy in my life. Now, I just want to say, I, I want to make sure we understand what we mean by enthusiasm, because enthusiasm is actually a very spiritual word. As a matter of fact, if you look up the Greek word for enthusiasm that's written in this context, it's actually called entheos, entheos. Entheos, in means within, and theos meaning God. So what you're really saying when you choose to live an enthusiastic life is you're talking about the God within me, the God within me. And so you and I know by the choices we make, the way we choose to live for something more actually reveals the God within me to others. Can, can I just lovingly say to you with um, kindness and hopefully with a little grace, because I understand it, but we, we need to start revealing the God within us a little better. Like sometimes we give God bad packaging. Maybe I'm the only one. Um, can I just tell you the worst place I show God? On an airplane. <laughs> On the airplane. Man, I... I am like the most enthusiastic person in the world until it comes to having to ride on an airplane. And then I become the Unabomber. Um, I legitimately wear hoodies in the middle of the summer and put the hoodie over me with the AirPods in my ears so the people next to me don't talk to me. But God always puts me next to the people that want to talk to me, right? I'll talk to you anywhere else in the world except on the airplane. You know why? Because I'm 6'3". I'm a slightly heavy, and um, I'm already uncomfortable trying to walk down the aisle. And so by the time I get to my uncomfortable seat, I'm already in that space where I just want to be left alone. <laughs> Leave me alone. And I love, I, let me just let me phrase that. <clears throat> I despise when people outside of the airplane just walk around with their AirPods in their ear. I think, I think I kind of consider that rude. I, I, like, I know you're talking on the phone and you're maybe listening to something, but you're just like totally closing off the rest of the world. It's totally acceptable in my book on the airplane. <laughs> totally acceptable there, right? Matter of fact, I think on the airplane, it's universal language for don't talk to me. Don't, please don't, please don't. And some people just don't get it. So I'm just here to give you a PSA. If someone has their AirPods in on an airplane, don't talk. Don't talk. It's funny because I, I'm thinking about the God within that I show in that moment. And it's interesting how many times in the middle of my frustration, in the way that I don't live enthusiastically on an airplane, that God gives me incredible God moments. I, on the way here, actually, I, um, I won the lottery. I had two middle seats all the way here. And, um, yeah, don't pray for me. Pray for them. I'm a big boy. And, um. <laughs> Uh, I had my AirPods in, and this lady sat next to me, and she said, um, she said, and she tapped me, and I wanted to go, AirPods. <laughs> um, but then I didn't, I just put on, I said, yes, ma'am. She goes, well, what do you do? 
And that's universal for a pastor of like, this is trouble, okay? <laughs> because the moment you start telling people you're a pastor, they don't understand what you do. They, some people think you play golf all the time. And um, maybe here in the middle of the United States, you go down to the, the, the beach all the time. You live in heaven. You know what I mean? Like, this is the greatest place to be called to, by the way, Blake. You're lucky. Your favor isn't fair. Um, but she said, what do you do? And so I just, I, I've started telling people to start off the conversation that I'm a motivational speaker. <laughs> and she says, you're a motivational, like, have you ever given a TED talk? And I went, no, but I've given a God talk before. Dad jokes, they're 101 right there. Um, and she's, she, she said, well, what's a God talk? And I said, well, really, I just read scripture. And, and the moments where I feel like that God's going to, like, I'm, I'm going to talk to a group of people and in the moment, I feel like God's going to do something. Like, I, I just know sometimes that God is going to touch somebody's heart. Her eyes got this big. And she's like, do you have, like, a telephone for that? And I said, absolutely not. I got a cell phone. It's an iPhone 14. And uh, he calls me right here directly on that one. She was like, that's crazy. You talk directly to God. And I said, yes, ma'am. And I quickly put my AirPod back in. A few minutes later, she tapped me again. I said, yeah. And she said, hey, I'm going through something. And I went, oh, dear Jesus. Why? I didn't say this to her, just in my heart. Why me, God? Why me? And she began to share her heart, and I began to talk to her. And you know what I got to share with her? I got to lovingly share with her. It's so interesting to me, the message that I'm sharing with you. I said very kindly, I said, you know, you're actually living the life, most likely, that your choices have led you to. She didn't like that, and she just turned away and just put your ear pod back on. So I did. And as I was leaving, she said, thanks for saying that to me. I needed to hear that. It's amazing. In those moments, the God within us, we even try to hide him at moments, but he needs to come out and be shared with others. The opposite of uh, enthusiasm is actually really scary to me. The opposite of enthusiasm is actually apathy, which is laziness or slothfulness. It's indifference, and indifference is actually the opposite of love. The opposite of of enthusiasm is unconcern, disregard, or ignore. It's check out the New Testament power of choosing uh, enthusiasm. There's not just an Old Testament principle. It's actually shown in the New Testament. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to live a life that comes across as apathetic or lazy or indifferent. Or I, I really love, I genuinely love people, except on airplanes. And um, I just, it's one of those things like where I don't want to be known as unenthusiastic, but so many of us choose to live a life that way. You see, Paul writes in, in Romans 12, 11, in the New Living Translation, he phrases it this way. He says, hey, don't ever be lazy. Hey, but work hard. Kind of like what Solomon said. Have some fun. Choose to have fun. Why? Because when you serve the Lord, you should serve the Lord enthusiastically. I, I like how he actually is paraphrased in the message. In the message, he says it this way. Don't burn out. Hey, keep yourselves fueled to flame. Keep yourself. I like hip-hop music. Keep yourself. Fueled in flame. It doesn't say Pastor Blake's got to keep you full of enthusiasm. It doesn't mean his family has to be the one that galvanizes you and gets you to make the right choices. It says do it yourself. Keep yourself aflame, on fire, connected to Jesus. He goes on to say, but be alert, servants of the master. Look at this. Cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians. Be inventive in your hospitality. He's saying, hey, when, when you're serving and you're a difference maker at Christ's walk, be excited when people walk to, to your door, when people pull in that aren't normally here, and even the ones who normally are, be expectant, be inventive, be, be pumped up. Here we go. We are about to do something in this place today. I'm expect, I'm excited. I love how Paul says that. Do it enthusiastically. Paul writes about it again in 2 Corinthians. He says this, hey, since you, you being followers, leaders in the church, difference makers here at, at Christ's walk, excel in so many ways. Hey, you should, you're already excelling. He's, he's positive. I love the positiveness of Paul in this. Hey, you're excelling in so many ways. He then begins to list them. He says, hey, hey, in your faith, and you and I know if we've read scripture or grew up in church, scripture says it's impossible to please God without faith. Right? So, hey, you're excelling in your faith. That's a great thing. He said, hey, you have some gifted speakers. 
Man, I about ran through that wall when Pastor Blake was up here going, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to be excited, right? I'm like, Psalms, yeah, David said that. I'm ready to go. Pumped it up. Man, you're excited. You have some gifted speakers. They're eloquent. Chris, I love it because Chris is up here leading in worship. And I'm just going to tell you, I don't know that I've seen a more authentic worship leader than Chris in my life. I don't even know Chris. All, all I know about Chris is that they say I'm big baby Graham. I'm baby Graham when he gets older, by the way I look. When I saw baby Graham, I thought, that's my, I love it. You know why? He spent the first 10 minutes in here running circles around this place. I'm like, bro, we're related somewhere down the line. I don't know. West Virginia, Mountain Mama. All right, anyways, goes on to say, your gifted speakers. He says, even your knowledge, like, so he even compliments. Paul's like, man, you're excelling in these things. Your knowledge, like, you know who Jesus is. You're eloquent, how you pastor the city, how you share the gospel. But look what he says next. He says, hey, your enthusiasm, you're in, you're like, the way you choose to serve God is as important as uh, the way that you carry your faith, the way that you're gifted in speaking, and eventually, what he says, the way that you love us. When's the last time you realized fun, enthusiasm, the attitude, the tone, the posture that you live your life is as important as all these other things that we deem, quote, unquote, spiritual? Enthusiasm absolutely matters. He also writes in 1 Corinthians, Paul's just going all in on enthusiasm. He says, so my dear brothers and sisters, hey, be strong. Look at the power. Immovable. How, how do you do that? Always work with enthusiasm. He didn't say sometimes or when I feel like it or when it's convenient to me. It's a choice to work with enthusiasm. I think David wrote it like this. I was glad when they said unto me. I was excited. I'm enthusiastic. It's a way to choose to live because of why. Why? What does it matter? He says, for the Lord, you, honor, you know. Like, get this in your heart. Don't just know it, but actually do it. Apply the enthusiasm part. But you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. It all has merit. See, Paul's saying this is how we're supposed to approach life. He, he says, man, this is the way you're, you're supposed to choose to live. Enthusiastically, with joy. It's a choice. It doesn't matter the circumstances around me. It doesn't matter the things uh, that, that happen to me, the collateral damage at some point, I've got to look at the choices that I made and the life that I'm living, and I can have an opportunity when I do so to choose something different, to live a different way and have a different sum outcome in my life. If you feel stuck in your life, it's your choice if you choose to stay there. You have the choice to live for something more. You have a choice. That's all throughout scripture. I won't bore you with all of it, but in Acts chapter 18, there's a place where Apollos, who's a follower of Jesus, he goes to Greece. When he goes to Greece, he starts messing with the scholars of Greece because they love to talk and they love to debate. And scripture tells us in Acts chapter 18 that actually Apollos actually won people from Greece over because not only did he argue with them, but he talked to them in such a way that he looked wise and he was enthusiastic, is what scripture says. That he actually, the way he chose to live and present it was a way that was attractable to others. And so they listened to what he said and they watched how he lived. In the Old Testament, again, there's a guy by the name of Haggai. And Haggai was um, trying to have a temple built. And, and, and the story goes that there was a leader by the name of Zerubbabel. And you can say that a bunch of times with ADHD. It gets to find like Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel, I have a stutter too. Zerubbabel. And Zerubbabel tries really hard, really hard to get this temple built for the Lord. And he just keeps running into these difficulties, Scripture says. Like he, he tries and it, something happens. He tries and gets distracted. He tries and he keeps going and it doesn't happen. And eventually the Bible says this. I find this so wild to me that he decides to work with the spirit of enthusiasm. And all of a sudden, this massive temple is built within two years. Why does that happen? How does that happen? Let me share it with you. It happens this way because enthusiasm will change and it will build things. Enthusiasm will change, 
and it will absolutely build things. You see, I love some of the core values here at Christ Walk. I think they're incredible things. One of your core values is Jesus is my message. Jesus is our message, right? And if you've ever experienced Jesus, what does Jesus do? He changes things, right? He, my life is not the same because of Jesus and following him and applying his principles and his teachings. Jesus changes everything. You know what else? Here at Christ Walk, we say we want to live an authentic life. It doesn't get more authentic than Chris up here, right? You know what? Chris probably, I don't know this, but you know, I, I remember when my daughters were, were Graham's age, it wasn't easy to be excited at 9.15. I couldn't tell. As a matter of fact, I feel like he probably woke up with that smile and that little hop he has with Jesus in him and stuff like that up here. I would never know the difference. And if I thought of something different, it would just be my assumption. And, well, you, you, you know what that is. So, so I want to live an authentic life. We'll say things like people are a mission. When's the last time you were unattracted to an enthusiastic person? Someone that served you or greeted you or came alongside you with a smile and was helpful and seemed like they were excited to actually be there. I love it because if you begin to honor all up and down and sideways and you, you, you begin to honor those people and you do it enthusiastic, not because you have to, because you want to, because you get to, it's amazing what begins to happen. Things begin to build and sometimes things begin to change. That's why I love what we say here at Christ Walk when we say things like widen the door and lengthen the table. You know why? Because enthusiasm, being excited about living the life that God's created us to live, living for something more. It'll change. It'll build. It's what happens. Here's the best thing. Happened in your life. Hasn't God changed and built you? Because you chose to follow him. Imagine what it would look like if you did it enthusiastically. I love what John Maxwell says here, and I'm about to go really fast, ADHD style. Ready? John Maxwell says it this way. He says, John Maxwell, premier leader in, in our country. He says this, one of the greatest things you can do is get excited about your life and start living enthusiastically day after day. Your whole world will actually improve. And if you wait to get excited until some lucky outer event happens, well, guess what? If you wait, what does life do? It waits. And if you hold back until a more appropriate time to get excited, what does life do? It holds back. You're going to hold back on enthusiasm, develop a lot of patience. You know why? Because you're going to wait a long time for an exciting life. I, I came to the conclusion in my life after studying scripture like this about enthusiasm that I am not going to wait for nobody or nothing. I'm going to choose Jesus, and I'm going to choose him wholeheartedly, enthusiastically, and excitedly. It's going to happen. It's gonna ha I, I'm like this all the time. All the time. I didn't need two cups of coffee, honey. I know you're watching me. I didn't need it because I'm enthusiastic about I made the choice. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. I'm going to follow, follow him willingly, excitedly, and ready to go. Here, let me help you out real quick with a few things. I'm going to give you three things of what enthusiasm is. I'm going to give you three things that you can do to, to bring it to, to your life and, and to others. Number one is this right here. What is enthusiasm? Enthusiasm is an energizer. Let's go. It's a let's go attitude. I, I love it. When, when the rally happened today, it was, hey, guys, we're excited for what we get to do. To, let's go. You know what else it is it looks like in our life? It's a, it's a yes to our family and to our kids when you really want to say no. You know, when you, when you really feel tired from the day of work, enthusiasm brings to your attention that your kids aren't going to be in your home forever and that moment to throw the ball, the moment to play some basketball, the moment to go out and paddle a boat, those things to fish, whatever it might be, you don't get those forever. It's enthusiastic. It's a let's go, let's yes with my family and my wife. I like to even put it like this. It's an adder. Enthusiasm adds to your life. It's not a subtractor to your life. It's a developer. It's not a drainer. Enthusiasm helps you say yes to the things you know you should be saying yes to. Number two, enthusiasm is a, it's an elevator. 
Um, this is the easiest way for me to say it. If I, I, I want to eventually, I'm going to write a message around this one thought right here about how enthusiasm is an elevator. Because here's, here's what I've learned. The gospel that we teach and we preach, it's not meant to, to bring you down. It's actually meant to elevate you up. We get this a lot really wrong as, as we follow Jesus. We, we feel like scripture and the gospel is actually meant to call you out, not call you up. And we, le- we got to learn. Scripture and following Jesus is about calling us up, not calling us out. It's not about shame. It's not about guilt. Scripture teaches me for all have sinned. All of us have made bad choices in our life. But it's, it's not because of the wrong choices or making the right choices that I get to receive grace. Grace is not earned. Grace is freely given to those who choose to receive it. It's an elevator in our life. It elevates. It, it brings up. I had a funny thought on, on this, how it brings life to you and I. Um, I, I, I was thinking about um, someone I was with this weekend is, is going to start doing some job interviews. Um, and as they do some job interviews, I was laughing in my heart because <clears throat> I, I could just see what if he was like trying not to get the job and um, how that would be. You know, like if you were sitting in a job interview and they said, hey, what will you bring the team? How, how will you help us? And, and if you just looked at him and said, you know, my goal in life is to bring everybody down. That's what I, that's what I like to do. I like to be, well, we code it, we say it a little cooler than that. We say, we say um, man, I'm, I'm just a realist. I, I live in reality. That's what I do. You know what you just told me? Your favorite character as a kid was Eeyore. Eeyore. It's not an elevator. There's no enthusiasm in that. It's an elevator. It, it brings you up. How, how many of you guys, have, for some of y'all in this room, you're, like, you're dating or you want to be dating somebody. And if your friend was on the phone with you and they said, man, I went on this date. Really, how was the date? Oh, man, it was horrible. Horrible. He, I mean, he really brings me down. He's just a realist. You'd be like, run. Don't date that person. Don't date that young man. Don't date that young lady. Why? Because it's not elevating. It's not bringing you up. Remember what the Bible says? The gospel is good news. Not bad news, it's good news. And it wasn't just good news for some people. The Bible says it was good news for all people. You know why? Because it's the gospel. It's an elevator. It calls you up. It doesn't call you out. What, what else is enthusiasm? Enthusiasm is an eliminator. I, I need you to hear this one. Enthusiasm is an eliminator. You know, enthusiasm, it helps you overcome problems. It, hel- it helps you overcome difficult situations. It helps you to see things in a different perspective than our feelings. And Scripture teaches us that our, heart, our feelings will lie to us. It helps us see clearly when we're enthusiastically already choosing to see God is good in our life. You know what else it does? It eliminates pain. i got to stop here. I don't, I don't know why I'm stopping here, but one thing I'm learning more and more is there are a lot more of us walking around with pain than what we want to realize or we want to admit. I know in my heart there's some of you in this room. That's it. You're hurting way more than you want people to know. Can I just tell you a way to help eliminate, help get through some of that pain? It's when you choose to serve the Lord in enthusiasm. You choose to follow his teachings even when it's not easy. Even when it feels like hard work. Dare I even say when you choose to come to the realization and the authenticity that you weren't choosing that way before but you are now. It eliminate pain. It'll help you overcome difficult times. You know, life is really de- irritating problems. It's filled with them. It deters us in so many ways. The truth is, is the way we see our lives and the way we talk about our lives is really unhealthy to living and following Jesus with enthusiasm. We'll say things like, how are your day? And you'll say things like, I'm busy, like it's a badge of honor. You say, how, how, how's life going? You'll say, I, yeah, man, it's been a really tough day. I, I, can't, I honestly can't remember the last time that I felt like I had an authentic conversation when I asked somebody how their day was. It was, I'm fine. 
it's okay. It's everything and every indication of I just don't want to talk about it. No authenticity, no realness there. You want to eliminate that? Enthusiastic living. You know how you bring enthusiasm to a group, to a church, to a community, to a city? First, you've got to remind yourself that it's a choice. You take responsibility for your own enthusiasm. It's a big mistake, like John Maxwell said, is to wait for someone else to bring it for you. You know, the truth is enthusiasm is not a byproduct. It's actually something that has to be cultivated. It has to become your culture. There's some people in here that um, after today's message, I hope you come and get a megaphone. Um, because some of you guys need to be the culture carriers of enthusiasm and excitement and following Jesus here at Christ's Walk. And it doesn't mean that you only serve him when you want to, and you're only enthusiastic when you get your way, or the vision does what you want it to do, but you actually follow in enthusiasm in all times, in all situations. It's, it's actually, some of you right now, like you're already, because you're getting challenged a little bit with your enthusiasm, you're already saying like things like, I've taken the Enneagram, it just says that I'm a realist, and um, I've taken Myers-Briggs, and it tells me that, um, you know, I, I, I'm just, I'm an introvert. You know, it's not an extrovert and introvert thing, according to Scripture. It didn't say, hey, if you're an extrovert, uh, be enthusiastic when you serve me. As a matter of fact, I, I even put it this way for, for some of you to take notes. It's not a type of personality. It's actually a really scripturally a type of obedience. It's about whether or not you're going to choose to follow him this way. Okay, can I tell you the second thing you need to do? Some of you guys need to start hanging around enthusiastic people. You need to find some enthusiastic people in your life. I've got to go real quick. Some of you in this room, you've got you to hang around them. You've got to find them. You need to find the person with the megaphone that's going to follow Jesus with everything they have. You, you need to find the people and surround them in your life. You need to, if you're one of the people, you, you need to host a life group. You need to lead a life group. You need to bring it to the life group with you. You need to be ready to go, and the people that join that group need to know, when you come here, we're going to enthusiasm. It doesn't mean we're going to fake. It doesn't mean we're not going to go through difficult times. If you come and you're not being able, you're having a hard time making that choice. That's why you're here. We're just going to surround you. Life gives us difficult situations, and I'm not saying you have to be fake and act like everything's great. What I'm saying is, is you're going to choose to serve God knowing, even in the midst of all the terrible stinky, sorry, difficult things that happen, I'm going to choose to stay connected to him. So you got to surround yourself with those people. Some of you guys got to get those. You remember this? My daughter's telling me this. Hashtag squad goals. Some of y'all need to have that squad. You know why? Because the truth is we become like the squad we spend time with. Just a minute ago I said Eeyores. Have you ever noticed all the Eeyores hang out together? Eeyore. It's like you just walk by. Can I just be honest? Like people from United are probably watching. I think all churches have them. If it's you, you should make a choice to be something different. Um, but, um, uh, but we have uh, like an Eeyore group at our church. And it's funny. They all get together. Eeyore, Eeyore. Here's what's funny. None of them are contributors. They're all consumers. It's the truth. They don't. They don't want to lead a small group or a life group. They don't want to host one. They don't want to attend one. They don't want to be a difference maker on the team. They just want to come in and suck the life, suck the enthusiasm right out of the group. I'm not talking about people who are going through difficult times who are hurting. Those people need to come in, but you know what? They need to be surrounded by those who have enthusiastically chosen to follow Jesus and do what he's called us to do. That's what needs to happen. The last one is this right here. We need to pray. <laughs> we need to pray and come to an honest realization that maybe we're not living an enthusiastic life. We need to pray and invite God to be alive within you. You know, if I could tell anyone in this room who might be hurting or who might be in pain, who might be going through a difficult time or a difficult season, and it's really hard to make that choice to be enthusiastic, if I could say anything to you, what I would say to you is this right here. You... You just got to pray. You know, pray first and ask God to stir. But scripture calls it stirring up the gift inside of you to do those things. You need to pray to come alive in those ways. Can I, can I tell you a quick story? I grew up, I, I loved basketball. I played a couple years of college basketball in my life and um, 
So I came up with this thing. I knew I was going to have sons, and so God has a sense of humor, and he gave me two daughters. <laughs> it's okay. They started a WNBA. And when I was a youth pastor, there were some young ladies in our, our youth group who had this crazy notion that cheerleading was a sport. And um, that didn't land well. Um, I, I, what I'll say is, is uh, when I, I didn't watch cheerleading on ESPN, I always kind of changed the channel. I didn't realize how athletic competition cheer was. I was always around like middle school, high school cheerleaders and and our cheerleaders let me just be honest they didn't do very much they they like the outfit they like to stand together in a group and honestly there were no like cool pyramids or flips or anything like that and if i would have saw that growing up i would have been like this is definitely a sport but i didn't and so i used to joke with some of the young ladies that i knew loved cheerleading and stuff in our youth group and i'd say it's just not a sport my my kids will never ever be cheerleaders. If I am going to have girls, they just won't do it. So you know what God did with his sense of humor? My oldest daughter at eight decided that she hated sports, but wanted to be a cheerleader. <laughs> and after I prayed, cried, whined, sackcloth and ashes, all those things, I said, let's go. You're going to be a cheerleader. Let's go. You're going to do it. Let's go. But you know what I ended up loving about cheerleaders is they have these megaphones. <laughs> Because when I do something, I'm all in. I'm A-D-H-H-H-H-H-H-D. So when I finally got in my heart, my daughter's going to be a cheerleader, I became a cheer dad. Rocking it. Rocking it. I got a Ph.D. in cheer dad. I had a shirt that even said, cheer dad, wallet's empty. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was super expensive. But my daughter wanted to do it, so I was going to provide it for her. We're going to do it. I was so into it, I know the cheers. Extra, extra, read all about it. We are the Raiders. We're going to shout it extra. Read it, read it. Boom, like newspapers are still a thing. Come on, people. I know them all. Blue, 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 blue. Go, go, go. But, man, when they got those megaphones, I don't know if it's because they didn't feel like people could see them. Everything got louder and everything got better. Let's go. Here we go. Here we go. Pump it up. Pump it up. Christ walk. You liked that, didn't you? Megaphone. Enthusiasm. C.S. Lewis writes this. God, I'm so late. I'm so sorry, Blake. C.S. Lewis writes this thing that I think you should hear. He says, in our good times, God whispers. But in our pain, our sadness, God shouts. This thing God came. I really don't say this things often. I just feel really led in my heart to tell some of you that I think God's shouting at some of you right now. Not that you're bad. I'm not trying to shame you. What God's trying to say is, I'm here to call you up, not call you out. So let me help some of you. Let me just share a few things that the Lord laid on my heart that maybe you need to hear. I love you. You are loved. I think Jesus, if he was standing here, he would start by calling you sons and daughters, not just followers. Hey, you're a great dad. Hey, you're a great mom. You're a great daughter. You're a great son. You excel in all these things. Hey, I, I love you. Hey, my way is the best way. Follow me. Hey, your choices don't define you. All the choices you made that you carry is shame. Hey, can I tell you something? Make different choices and live the life for something more. I love you. I'm here. Then here's the big one I think he's saying to all of us. I'm waiting on you. 
I'm not waiting for you to make the right choices. I'm not waiting for you to do it all right. I'm not waiting for all your circumstances to change. You know what I'm waiting on? I'm just waiting for you to respond. So that's what we're going to do this morning. I'm going to ask everyone to stand in this room. If you're new, man, can I just tell you, you get it. Pastor Blake's going to teach on time. He's going to do all those things. Just give me grace. I apologize. I apologize. I'm sorry. But I think this moment's worth it. So worth it. If you need Jesus to speak life, to speak joy, to speak enthusiasm into your heart and your life, if there's something with Jesus that you have been wrestling or you know he's been trying to call you up and not call you out on, but he still wants you to make the right decisions, and you just need to take some time and just spend it in the presence of God, because here's what's going to happen. If you spend that time in the presence of God and you make that choice, your life is going to look different because enthusiasm will change and build it in a different way. Can we just create a space for a few moments for you to do that? This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to say a word of prayer. And as I'm praying, with every head bowed and every eye closed here in just a moment, I'm going to say, hey, if you just need to spend some time with Jesus, will you come up to the altar and just find that moment and that time while we worship? Or will you come out and begin the process as I pray? Let's pray together. God, I thank you, Lord, for this time. God, I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in us and through us. God, I pray for those of us in this room that need to be connected to you in a way, Father God, that they come alive again, that God, they sense your presence, that they heard your word, that God, they can choose to live a different way, that God, their heart who might feel distracted, it might feel wounded, it might feel hurt, it, it can come, it can even feel dead, but it can come alive again in you. Your Holy Spirit can breathe that fresh air, that fresh life in their heart and their mind. God, I pray, Lord, that over these next few moments in this altar as they respond to you, I pray, Lord, that, God, they will respond in a way that they hear you calling them up and not out. They're calling them to live for something more. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Christ Walk Church podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. To find out more information about Christ Walk Church, including our service times, how to connect with us on social media, and the ministry opportunities we have for you and your family, simply visit our website at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget, because of Jesus, the best is yet to come.